You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Mobile rolling, Chris Barsby's about to link up with us. And Chris, something we didn't talk about yesterday, but certainly we should give credit to Shannon Price, Adam Sanderson, and sure thing, captain around six or seven dollars winning the last there on a big night at Menangle last weekend. Good morning. Yeah, Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, he was able to take out that group two feature, the stockade. So as it was considered the consolation there of the Eureka, but still worth really good prize money, a hundred thousand dollars. And he was really good in many ways because he was just a little bit scratchy leaving the circle as they started to score up, Steve. And then he over-raced pretty fiercely at different points. So to show that acceleration like he did over the concluding stages only adds merit to that performance. So they've got a big decision to make now, Steve. Do they sort of just put him away, give him a good break, aim towards a race like the Chariots, which comes up early in the new year, or do they keep pushing on? He's a three-year-old by the Starside captain, Treacherous. Do they look at races like the Victoria Derby? Do they look at the WA Derby over in the West as well? So it's going to be interesting to see what uh, path they take with Sure Thing captain. But there's still some good targets left. But if they're playing the long game, I'm sure the Chariots mm. of Fire is going to be an obvious target early next year. Chris, when I started following harness racing or watching harness racing as a teenager, of course, going to Rockley in the early days, and always, always three fence was the worst place to be in the world. You'd nearly throw your ticket away if you were three fence. But in this day and age, and that's where sure thing captains settled in running and these bigger tracks, and even you see it at Albion Park, Chris, they, they often can get up and win from that position these days. It's real you know, changing of the guard, so to speak, with uh, position in running sort of thing with harness racing with these bigger expansive tracks. Yeah, no doubt about that, Steve. In many ways, fence is just gold now. That, that's the value of the fence because we race at such a frantic tempo in most races. Uh, the best spot to be is on the pegs. So if you're on the pegs doing little or no work and just getting that, that draft along, it, it's the best spot. And on those bigger tracks like Menangle, uh, it, it is worth absolute gold. So it's rare to see horses sitting without cover all coming from last, depending on, on how the race sets up. But uh, the fence is definitely the spot to be. And you see it a lot in North America as well, Steve. You watch races from Meadowlands and Mohawk and those big tracks up there. Given that the tempo that they set, you've got to be on the peg line. And uh, generally, that's where all the winners come from. Except at Marburg, I would throw my ticket away if it was three fence. Leonard Kane is with us. Leonard, good morning. Good morning. How are we? Yeah, really well. You've got a busy night tonight. We've got 10 races. Of course, we we only got one race uh, running one last Wednesday night before those storms rolled in. So all of these Echo Show finals uh, got pushed back a week. So there's four of those finals coming through tonight. 10 races. You've got nine drives. You can sit out of the first one so you don't have to rush and you can just take your time getting to the track. You don't have to fight that traffic. But all in all, your book of drives is really impressive tonight. And this first drive of yours, I'm sure you're most looking forward to this because he's a bit of a favourite of yours in OB Legal. You've got a terrific record with this horse, better than one in three. 
And most are thinking it's probably a race in two between Obi Legal and Amami. Some might include Heston Zoolander into the into the mix as well. But this is a good drive. Race two, number three, Obi Legal. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, Chris. Um, you know, he's he's one of my favourites, and he's ultra consistent. His run there on Saturday night was awesome. You know, like his last half, I think, was twenty-seven-one, twenty-seven-five. So. Um, you know, he's definitely racing well enough and the draw looks favourable. You know, it looks like he should be able to touch down with the fence there. And um, I think all going our way, you know, he, he should be very hard to run down in this. His record at this track is excellent. He thrives around Redcliffe. Oh, definitely. You know, um, he's shown, like you say, plenty of times he's been there and, and I don't think he's ever run a bad race there. So, um you know, he's, he's come from everywhere and he's raced all types of ways there and he always seems to, you know, get the job done. So that's also uh, works in our favour for sure. Is Amami the, the main danger to you? He was able to score last Saturday night at Albion Park. Big Shadow was the beaten favourite in that race. He bounced back with a win yesterday. So that form line looks really strong. So is he the obvious or do you consider Heston Zoolander as well? I think, um, yeah, no, I think, like you said, I think Amami, he obviously looks the obvious threat. Um, obviously, you can't rule out Heston's and he's another nice top. And, um, you know, it's it sort of, I think they're obviously your top three, but um, Amami probably looks the biggest danger, I think, for sure. Okay. He's unbeaten at the Rickliffe track as well, Amami, one for one. But with Obi Legal, the fact that he's drawn to the inside of Amami and looking at those two horses on your inside, Beef City Blaze, who's a stable mate and little change, there is every chance that you will be able to find the, the peg line first here. Yeah, that's right. And um, I think if that's the case, which it sort of on paper it looks to be, um, I think we'll, we'll be ultra hard to beat for sure. All right, well, that's race two, number three, Obi Legal. What about in race number three? Uh, you're driving the Exorcist. He's drawn the outside of the second row. Is this the type of race that he could sort of bob up in? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, the outside of the second line's a little tricky, but, um, you know, obviously, you just don't do much early and hope that there's a little bit of pace on, which sort of looks like off the front line, there should be a little bit of pepper early. And I think if that's the case, well... The harder they go, the better it is for us. And um, if we can be there late and and they've gone hard early, I think, um, you know, we're a big chance of featuring in that. Best advice, don't How do you rate? <laughs> <laughs> How do you rate his recent form, Leonard? Um, yeah, no, he's, he's going well enough. Um, he's just sort of... He's not the best tractable sort of horse, Um but, you know, like, his run um, last start at Albion was pretty good. You know, he's tucked away on the fence. But, um, you know, his work late was good. So um, I think off that run, especially, you know, like I say, if there's that bit of pressure early, um, I think we're, we're a real good hope. All right. He, he's a four-year-old. He's buying better than Cheddar, who's left his fair share of good ones. But he's out of that former good mare, Il Cavallino, and she was... A little one-dimensional in many ways, but she was ultra-fast. So has he in inherited any of his mum's ability? Oh, I think so. You know, um, she was, yeah, she was a consistent little mare and, um, and you know, tried a hard out on the track. I don't, you know, I wish he inherited her tractability, but, um, <laughs> um, no, he, he's definitely, um, you know, I think he's one of them horses that uh, once he sorts himself out, he'll definitely do a good job. All right, let's go to the first of these, or the second of these uh, features, uh, the Echo Finals, the first in which you're driving tonight, race four, number three, today's hero. You know this guy well, stand-start conditions here, so crucial. Firstly, 
do you have faith in him stepping away? Yeah, I do. You know, um, you know, I spoke to Matt there the other day, um, obviously before last week when the races were meant to be on, and um, you know, he he said, you know, all the ones that I'm driving for him and these have sort of been doing everything right, and um, you know, they've had all that practice over that Eka uh, period, so it definitely works in their favour that they've had so much racing over this sort of start type leading into races like this. So, um, like you say, it's always it's always a bit of a lottery with the stand starts, but, you know, I think if we can get away safely, that's obviously the key, and um, he's definitely up for this field. Mm, OK. And the other thing, too, with these stand start races over the sprint trip, there's no room for error. So if you get away safely and if you land in that first, you know, five or six runners, it's a, it's a big advantage. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing with these races. I think it comes down to, you know, who begins best and who settles where. Um, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's easy to be ruled out of the race if you do make errors and um, something gets away on you. So I think, uh, you know, the starts are the biggest player in these races. All right. Race five, keen to get your thoughts here on Betty's Gold Class. This is your first time driving this mare? Yeah, it is, yeah. So um, that'll be interesting. But, you know, she's a nice little filly and, and uh, she's racing well enough, so... Well, the, the, the thing that I want to find out about, uh, as we know with Betty's cold class, she's got brilliant gate speed. So although she's drawn out, um, she could easily lead this field. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the instructions are, and I'm sure you'll find out later when you get to the track. But uh, if you wanted to lead with this mare, uh, she could easily scoot across and, and, and take it up. Yeah, you know, it looks that way on paper, like you say. Um, it's always a little bit tricky not dr driving them before, but... Um, you know, off of her form, you know, like you say, she's a proven beginner. So um, we'll just sort of go around and see what Donnie says. But, um, you know, obviously I think you'd want to be forward in that race anyway. Um, so I think, you know, I'll be pretty sure we'll put the foot down early and sort of see where we get to and play it by there. All right. Race six to nine, Sammy Seagrit. You've been driving this guy a lot lately, and he's got the hoof right on the till. There's no question about it. He's he's banging the door down. A last start, a runner-up behind Rolled in Gold. That's good form because Rolled in Gold won again last night at Albion Park. Could tonight be the night for Sammy Seagrit? Yeah, I think so. Um, this is a horse that, you know, I've got a lot of time for. He's he, he sort of another one that's very consistent week in, week out. Rarely puts in a bad run, and... Um, He's got a couple of runs under his belt now. Um, so I think, you know, he'll be right on par there tonight. And um, I think if we can settle close enough, then then he'll be a real big player. All right. Purple Shades is not known for its gate speed, and it's drawn to your inside. So at first look, did you think you were a chance of getting across Purple Shades early? Yeah, I did, actually. Um, obviously, we'll have a look and see, see how we go. But um, I think if we were to get across Purple Shades, then, um, you know, our, uh, our chances increase massively, for sure. Yeah, but there is speed drawn to your outside, too, isn't there? Yeah, there is, you know, obviously. Um, you know, Rock and Roll, Max, Beta, Breath, you know, they're, most of the front line sort of are go-forward horses. So um, there's, there's going to be a lot of speed on early, I think. All right. Race seven tonight, you're driving three max. You've had good success with this mare uh, during the time as well, and she's in good form. Her recent uh, efforts have been more than OK, and she comes up with a good draw. Do you give her a good push here tonight? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think this looks a good race for her, and, um, you know, she's another one. She rarely puts in a bad run, and, and like you say, she's going great at the moment. So um, I think she's actually come back better this time 
this time in than she was last time. And, um, you know, there was no knocking her form last time in. So I think this race, you know, leading into tonight, the crom, it's a sort of steady beginner. So if we were able to buzz across early and um, just weigh up our op- options, see how much pressure there is and see who's there first. And, um, you know, I think... I think uh, her chances in this race on paper definitely look um, look fairly fairly positive. Okay, last time out she was third behind Roll on X and Mr Woodport, so it's certainly not any harder this field compared to what she raced last time. No, definitely not. You know, uh, I think they're quite an e- even bunch of horses this field. So um, yeah, like I think given that she's got a favourable draw, I think that puts her in the race massively. Okay, race number eight. This is the uh, the show final number three. Again, for Maddie Wright, you're driving Tap the Keg. Uh, what are the expectations here with Tap the Keg? Yeah, you know, he's a horse that, um, you know, I've had a, a fair bit of luck on. I haven't yet to crack a win with him, but um, he's sort of fairly consistent, you know. He, he's a nice horse to drive, and, and he sort of always puts in. So um, I think, again, like, like any stand race, I think the start's all important. Um, Obviously, I've never driven him from the stand before, so uh, hopefully if I, if I can get him away well enough and, and sort of settle close enough there, then um, hopefully we can be right in that one. All right. We had Matty on air last week going through his uh, runners for these ECA finals, and he gave a good push for Man of Action. He thought that was probably his best chance of claiming one of these finals. So he obviously looms as the horse to beat here. Yeah, I think so. You know, um, he, he looks sort of the most favourable runner of the field and um you know but there's a couple of nice types there and he's lovable and um you know a couple there off the um wider back line of the front tape so uh it's one of them things you know whoever gets away best and uh depends where everyone settles i think that'll um tell the story pretty quickly all right i'm keen to get your thoughts on shuby right race nine horse five he ran some good races. His last two, probably just a little disappointing. Uh, the effort two starts ago when fifth in that triad heat behind Hold On To Your Bling was good, and then last time out he got back and never really threatened. Can tonight be his night? Should be right. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, the draw is not ideal. I would have loved to have gone around last week when he drew one. You know, I thought um, that looked, you know, it looked a, a great race for him, actually. Um, we, we had options there, but it, it was that was a shame that got called off and we've come out this week and drawn the car park again. So um, that doesn't really play into our hands, but um, he's definitely, like I, I definitely think he's a winning hope in this race, you know, um, at his best. You, like you say, his last couple have probably been a, a tad below average for him, but um, I think, you know, I think he can bounce back here and run a really good race. Is he the type of horse, though, uh, even if he had, like, the inside gate like he did last week, can you use him and can he still be effective? Can he still have that punch at the end of his races? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the biggest thing last week was sort of Shuby right for his Joshua Drew 1-2. So uh, even if I got that pressure early, well, I think it sort of looked like if you held up, you're a good hope. But if there was a bit of pressure and you happened to take a sit, um, it would have been... Um, that's You know, that's why I say about last week. But... He um, he's definitely good enough to be used early in this race and still get home for sure. It's a massive class drop, isn't it? Oh, definitely. You know, it, um, yeah, on paper it looks like obviously, um, you know, the five and six are the best horses in the race. I think. Yeah, he's going to go around as a clear favourite for mine. In the last race, it's the show final number four. Chang, you know this horse well. Uh, he's off the ten metres. 
albeit a little wide. How do you rate his chances here? Yeah, I think he's a real good chance here, actually. Um, Matty sort of gave a good push for him when I was talking to him last week and sort of said to me, you know, um, he's been he's been stepping electric at the shows and if he repeated that, that, um, you know, if he was up there close, he, he thought he was a real good hope. So, um, you know, he he's fairly confident leading into it and I think, um, you know, I think I have to agree with him if we were to get away fairly well and, and be up in the speed, I think, um, yeah, I think he'd be a big player in this race. Okay, so a good book of drives. Which one are you most looking forward to? Well, I'd have to say Obi Lego. I'd be hard to go past him, I think. Yeah, you've got a good record with him, so no surprise. So we get it nice and early, race two, Obi Legal. Hey, now tell me if I'm wrong here. The boss, is he away? Is he is he headed somewhere for a wedding? Uh, the bosses, I think you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, they've um, they've had... It's not their own wedding, wedding, is it? No, it's not. Um, unless they're surprising us, but I haven't been invited <laughs> <if> <laughs> All right, so what's the rest of the week look for, uh, look like for you? I'm tipping you might be busy. There'd be a few extra drives there. Yeah, it should be good um, in that regard. But, uh, yeah, a little bit busier, but it won't be too bad. We've chucked a couple out and um, we've organised it pretty well. So, um, no, it'll be good. All right, so when are they expected back? Uh, Saturday afternoon, I believe, but I'm not actually 100% sure, to be honest. Right, So back in time to give you the instructions for Saturday night's Metro card. Yeah, I think I think they'll still be in holiday mode. I don't think they'll be too worried about them. <laughs> Fair chance. I really appreciate the time. Best of luck tonight. No worries at all. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. There's Leonard Kane joining us. So uh, he's got a, yeah, a great book of drives there tonight. So uh, I think Shuby Wright's going to be the clear favourite out of all of his drives. And I think Cruz Joshua's just come out. So uh, that certainly paves the way for uh, Shuby Wright to take out race nine. But Obi Legal, no surprise, he's given it a really good Porsche. As I said, he's got a better than one in three strike rate when he sits behind Obi Legal. So that's race two, number three. And currently with Tab right now, Obi Legal is at 2.20. Amami is the favourite there at $1.90. Darren Clayton, there's a lot to discuss, and he joins us now. Darren, good morning. Morning, Chris. Uh, let's start with Rickliffe tonight. So whilst we're focused on Rickliffe and we've got the form guns and pens at the ready, where do we find your best bet tonight? Yeah, I thought we could wait to the first leg of the quaddy. Horse one, race five, horse one, Sunrise Ruby. Uh, got a pretty handy record at Redcliffe. She's a three-time winner there. Really liked the way she attacked the line last time out at Albion Park. Just tucked in behind the speed and, and really finished it off nicely. She comes up with a race here where she should get some options. Trail is a, a probably a good choice here. And uh, with that run, she'll be able to finish them off. Race five, horse one, Sunrise Ruby. All right, two forty currently with tab right now, so you can uh, take that price. Anything else in the car that you like? Yeah, there's a couple there at a at a bit of a price. I thought in that first show final race one, um, Kiyang Tara keen on her chances. She went around uh, at Marburg on Sunday, just skipped off the mark and probably lost her chance to get forward and then sat exposed for the the first lap or lap and a half of the twenty two hundred and. Just got a bit tired in the closing stages. She's off the 10 metres here, but I think she can get forward with a better getaway. Prepared to take on the favourite Major Do It. It's a, a bit of an ask coming off a handicap over the sprint trip. So I thought uh, Kiang Tara had a bit of each way value there. And then um, 
in one of the uh, race three, I thought the Maharani thought the race sets up nicely for her. So again, another one there at a little bit of an each way play. So race one, Kiang Tara. Race three, the Maharani. Twenty to place, and the Maharani race three number one. It's currently reading out at three sixty. So some value there for uh, some of the thoughts from Darren tonight for Rickliff. What about the quaddie? Have you marked a quaddie tonight? Yeah, so in that uh, that first leg, we'll, we'll stand Sunrise Ruby out. I think she looks a good thing there, as I've mentioned. The second leg, probably a bit of a tricky one. This one all depends on the early stages of the race. And uh, as Leonard pointed out, as you were just speaking to him, if uh, he gets across with Sammy Secret, well, it probably throws the race up a bit. I thought Purple Shades probably... Um, could keep Sammy Secret out, but I thought Rock and Roll Max would get to the front. So under that scenario, I think you you work numbers one, four, and seven into the quaddy there because Purple Shades would have the trip, Rock and Roll Max in front, and the Harris Hawk three back. So uh, we'll go one, four, seven in that second leg. The third leg, um, pretty keen on Heavenly Sea here. Uh, first up, off a little bit of a freshen, but uh, finds a perfect race, I think, here where she can cash in. Uh, not an overly strong race. Throw in number five, Chasing Dreams, it can do some work. And number one, the Crom, will get a, a soft trip in behind the speed. So we'll go one, four, five in the third leg. And we'll play wide in this last leg. This is a tricky one of these show finals. I've got number four, Man of Action, on top. Probably gets the right trip. If he gets to the front early on, more well, he probably just wins this. He's lovable. Gets the front tape, but it's the second line of the front tape, so he'll be in a bit of traffic. Um, if he can thread a passage there in the early stages, he's certainly in contention. Throw in number one, Waitley. Um, he won't be too far away, as will number eight, always at night. And you can probably throw in a few more there and, and still um, go for them. But they're the numbers that I will be putting in, numbers one, four, seven, eight. OK, so your numbers tonight, one only in that first leg, your best bet, Sunrise Ruby, then one, four, seven, one, four, five, and we bring it home with numbers one, four, seven and eight. So that's how we play the quaddie tonight. Yeah, no, I think it's a tough night there with four of those show finals held over from last week. And the other thing that we also need to factor in is the Redcliffe track has been resurfaced since last week's uh, washout. It was always due to be um, resurfaced in this time period. So um, they just had nine races less that they actually put over it before they started their resurfacing work. So um, certainly one to keep an eye on in those early races to see if there's any pattern being established. All right, so that's tonight, Redcliffe, uh, 10 race program. First race getting underway at 5.22, and that first race is on Sky 2. Rest of the program uh, being uh, televised on Sky 1. Righto, that's Redcliffe tonight. I'm keen to get your thoughts on the inaugural running of the Tab Eureka stage last Saturday night. As we know, the Mayor in Cypher was able to run down the favourite leap to fame, Captain Ravishing third. The floor is yours. What was the biggest takeaway from that race last Saturday night? Uh, how good these horses actually are, the speed that they maintain for that period of time. Um, I don't think Leap to Fame could have gone any better uh, in defeat. I think you look at the fact that um, the winning margin for Encipher was just on two metres and there was another 11 metres back to Captain Ravishing who had a soft trip on the pegs. Um, 
you know, magician had a peg trip as well. So leap to fame, absolutely enormous in defeat in Cypher. Take absolutely nothing away from her. She's been a super mare, has been right through her career, and um, there's no big big race driver any better than Luke McCarthy and uh, I just really loved listening to your interview with him on Tuesday Chris where um, he sort of highlighted how he wanted to attack the race and how it worked out didn't quite work out exactly as planned he ended up one spot further back but still didn't panic he's in the perfect spot and just how he um, you know waited and waited and even the the fact I don't know whether it was you or Steve said would you know would he have changed the way he had it driven it if it was a little bit differently and it was just a flat no and and that proves why he's as good as he is um, you know not never driven the horse before jump on in a race of that magnitude and just give it the perfect trip so um, all in all it's I guess for looking at the sport for a future perspective it's how do we get these quality horses racing each other more consistently all across the country a bit like you know we talk about the glory days of the sport well that was when all the good horses raced each other it's very rare we get them all together now and uh, i guess that's one of the battles of how we get such quality races like these quality horses to come together more regularly Mm. And, and, and that's a you know a really valid point you raise. But is it likely that these horses can come together like they used to when we had Grand Circuit? So if you had Grand Circuit racing, uh, it generally brought that that same group of horses together quite consistently. Now with the the, the calendar um, so saturated with feature races, um, is that possible? And to the, the point I was trying to raise yesterday, is it just a senseless exercise now comparing horses of today with horses of different eras? Because the, 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 the games evolve so much, we race so much differently compared to what we did even 10 years ago when Blacks of Fate was still going around. And the times, the times that we run now are just far better than what they were running, you know, uh, from yesteryear. So do you think it is possible that these horses are going to be around as long as what those horses were from yesteryear because of the style of racing that we now have. Yeah, well, the, a few few things to pull apart out of that. Well, I think firstly, we probably can't get them racing as re we wouldn't see them as regularly, um, or they wouldn't have the longevity if they were racing in that sort of format more consistently because just the the, for, the force and the pressure and the um, impact that has on their horses you know it'd be um, most likely as as robust and as um, strong as the standard bred breed is I think you know you can't go to the well too many times and you know horses would need lighter preparations um, that said how we get them all together I, I don't have the answer to that because um, I think you look at the fact that um, you need to, to pay your bills along the way and a lot of the of doing that is, you know, picking off some low-hanging fruit in your own backyard before you go along. And some of those sort of, I guess, sort of mini features, I guess you could call them, um, you know, where there's pretty good money on offer and you can, you can make a nice earn out of some nice horses without having to go into um, some of these bigger races. And I think... Um, with that in mind, and I'll probably expand on it a little bit and 
down the track, but like a horse like Better, the Better Be the Best, he could quite easily have gone in um, the Eureka and would have got a slot. I know Nathan Dors uh, Nathan Turnbull was, um, you know, he was sought out for a spot, but his his thought, well, we've got a hundred thousand dollar race. He won sixty thousand out of winning that uh, Breeders Challenge race there. He would have had to have gone in against all the four-year-olds. The best three-year-old to finish was the Lost Storm, who earned forty-five thousand for for finishing seventh. So, and then you've got to split that with your slot holder. So, um, like an economic decision as well as the overall well-being of the horse comes into it. So you sort of got that perspective as well. Um, in terms of getting all the horses in a Grand Circuit style, well, um, you know, I've, how we do that is. I, like I said, I don't really know, but um, I know one thing. When we see them all racing together, geez, it puts on a, a good spectacle and such a good mm. race. So, um, yeah, there's that side of it. And I guess, um, you know, where we get them to thereafter, I don't know. Like I said, it probably means they wouldn't race as regularly. And, and as for comparing horses of previous years, I think we'd... Um, it's, it's just not possible. You look at a horse like Black's a fake. He's, um, you know, stakes are going so much higher. He's the highest ever earning standard bred in this part of the world um, from racing in this part of the world. So, but then you look at times-wise, his best winning mile rate was 153.7. Um, so you put that into perspective to go even at Albion Park like he recorded that time uh, pretty sure he did that at Menangle on the big track you nearly need to w run 153.7 just to win a metro race in Brisbane now so you can't mm. compare them no that's exactly right just on the Eureka and you know we can compare this to uh, the Rising Sun, because as we know, the Rising Sun, we've seen three editions of the Rising Sun, uh, three and four-year-olds. The difference between the Rising Sun, the Eureka, Kiwis are invited or allowed to contest this race, the Eureka Australian bred horses only. Two points to, to, to raise from the Eureka, uh, and also this sort of dovetails into the, the Rising Sun. Why do mares have such a great record? I touched on this with Luke and he sort of outlined that, you know, we're talking about high quality mares that have been successful, amazing dream ladies in red and ciphers taken out the inaugural running of the Eureka and three-year-olds. Do we need to see a three-year-old win sooner rather than later for connections to accept the challenge of taking on four-year-olds? Because as we know, their record in the rising sun is poor. I think the best effort so far by a three-year-old was Leap to Fame when he finished third behind uh, Ladies in Red and Better Eclipse. And uh, looking at those three-year-olds there on Saturday night, the Lost Storm was seventh, beaten 18 metres. Captain Hammerhead, ninth, beaten over 24 metres. So do you think connections uh, are starting to realise that this is just mission impossible? Yeah, I... To, to answer your first point, I think we need to see a, a winner probably either in the next year. Uh, if we don't see one next year, well, then I think it's it might just put the kibosh on three-year-olds actually trying to contest the race. I think more so the Rising Sun, the Eureka, you're probably more likely to, to get them continuing just because of the level of prize money on offer. Um, 
you know, you, like you say, leap to fame. He probably wasn't at the peak of his powers in terms of where he's got to right now when he contested the Rising Sun last year. Um, he's certainly gone to another level. Um, so it, it's going to take a very special three-year-old to be able to do that. Uh, I don't know. Like They already get barrier draw advantage, so how that... Uh, what more advantage we can give to them, I'm not really sure. Like Captain Hammerhead, very nice horse that he is. He got a, a perfect trip, didn't have to use much speed early, and he just couldn't go late. The Lost Storm sat in the 1-1. Uh, again, just probably the sustained pressure of a 2,400-metre run just a little bit beyond him at this stage of his career. So um, I think they definitely, a three-year-old will need to step up soon, um, probably much sooner rather than later mm. for it to continue. As for the mares, well, I think in juvenile racing, um, mares can t tend to match it with the, um, with the colts and geldings in the early stages, especially, you know, two-year-olds um, into a sort of a mid-season three-year-old, perhaps more, not necessarily over a longer trip. So, um, so when they get to four, if they've been, a, you know, a really strong mare through their juvenile years, which... Um, those Rising Sun winners that you mentioned, Ladies in Red, Amazing Dream, they certainly were. And in Cypher, she's been, you know, she's been really good right the way through. Australian two-year-old filly of the year, Australian three-year-old filly of the year. So um, she probably, after that, depending on what she does the rest of the season, um, gets the gets the three-peat of the Australian Mayor of the Year. You would um, you would think it would take something pretty special from another mayor to to knock her off after that effort. So. Um, especially with what she's got left in the season. So, um, you know, she's been really good right the way through. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. Some, the, the mares at this stage, um, you know, whether it then goes, whether they can continue with the hard racing, and that's where, you know, you look at Inner Dominion's past where, um, you know, three hard runs in a week into a, into a final a week later, um, they sort of have struggled, but... You know, different races along the way. There's not many mares over time have really stood up at that grand circuit level. Um, perhaps, you know, years gone by where there's more standing start races, like a horse like Blossom Lady with Hunter Cup victories, uh, or, you know, really ones out of the box, like Taylor Made Lombo was able to win a grand circuit race against um, the Colts and Gelding, or Entires and Gelding. So, yeah, it's. Um, if, if they've been a really good juvenile, I think into that four-year-old year, they can sort of maintain it. It's just that harder racing thereafter that just seems to find them out. Here's one that's going to muddy the waters for you with the three-year-old argument. This year, during our carnival up here in Brisbane, the Constellations, we had the inaugural running of the Great Square, three- and four-year-old trotters. And it was the three-year-old trotter that won that race and won it decisively, London to a brick. So the trotters can do it. <laughs> But the pace is can't. So there's a difference, isn't there? Yeah, there's certainly a difference. Well, maybe, maybe he was confused, London to a brick, because he's actually <laughs> bred as a pacer. So maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll say that that was the go. But yeah, it's it's funny because even you look at a two-year-old trotter at how immature they are, and you know if you compare two and three-year-old trotters, two-year-old and three-year-old pacers, the gap's probably not as wide in some of you know some of those races where. You know, you definitely wouldn't consider putting a two-year-old trotter, um, you know, in a in a race against open-age trotting performers. Whereas you quite regularly see now a two-year-old pacer will take on older horses and quite often be better than them. So, um, 
Yeah, it's it's a funny one. They were able to do it this year, London to a brick, and like you say, decisively, that was a, a huge win that he was able to win that great square by. So um, the first running of the great square too. So maybe um, you know that holds that in good stead that we'll we'll get plenty of three-year-olds attempting the race next year. Mm. Just on, on the Eureka, uh, looking for ways to improve or, or broaden the, the, the concept. Australian bred horses only. As we know, that the harness industry in the Southern Hemisphere is, is, is a little small. Um, so do we need to include the Kiwis? I know there's a bit of a rift between HRA, HRNZ at the moment, so maybe it's not feasible or, or, or possible, but... Just to make it that that bigger and more explosive event, do we need the Kiwis? If we had the likes of a Kuta, um, you know, Millwood Nike, uh, the unbeaten filly, if she was invited, does that add a lot more to this race as the world's richest harness event if we just sort of expand and open the borders and have the Kiwis involved? I guess I would liken it to perhaps like the World Series baseball, Chris. The Americans talk, you know, we're the world champions. You know, say the Chicago Cubs come out and win the World Series, they're the world champions. Well, it's only one league. So to come out and call it the world's richest harness race, well, it's not really open to everybody, is it? So, um, you know, mm. I think something needs to happen there. Yes, it is the world's richest, but we're not inviting everyone to compete. So... How we, we expand that, I'm not sure. And just on that, going back to one of your homework questions, did you find out last week what the story is with, with terms of hosting the race? Does it, is no, it I'm still chasing race? that up. Okay, well, so, I know they've got it next year. Yeah, so we look at it in that, in that sense. Harness Racing Australia, so breeders all across Australia are, are funding this race, yet it's only raced in Menangle. Like, how does the... And then you've got slot holders. So you've got slot holders paying money into the race as well. So funding the race, you've got people Australia-wide funding it, yet, you know, it gets held at one track. Like, it, it should be... Should that rotation basis, if it isn't in place already, like it may well be, like we say, we don't really know what, what the future holds there. But in terms of, you know, the Kiwis, I think if we really want to strengthen it and really sort of boost it... Uh, I, I think they need to be included. I, I get the idea behind sort of the closing the borders on it, so to speak, but I think if we want to say it is the best and we're racing the best, well, then the best need to be allowed to compete in it. Mm. And, and, you know, there's a heap more that are coming to mind for me. Don't Stop Dreaming, Merle, and they could have been aimed at that race as well and invited. So it's an interesting one. So no Kiwis allowed, but the Kiwis were everywhere on the broadcast there on Saturday night. What about the other thing that might be a, a point of interest as well? That race was 2,400 metres on the big 1,400 metre track. Does it need to be 2,400 or would it have been more of a spectacle if it was at the mile? Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's uh, I think you could have a dollar each way there. I think if it was over a mile, geez, what sort of time would they have run? Because, you know, there's a few speedsters in there which would have made it certainly a bit different. Does that then open the case up that the th it would bring the three-year-olds more into it in that, you know, some really speedy three-year-olds, um, you know, it gives them more of an opportunity and then opens the race up on the flip side? Um 
you know, while there wasn't a great deal of moves in the run, I guess the tempo uh, set it up that way. But that's also Menangle racing as well. That's that's how they race there. It's there's no you know there's no mid race moves because it's it's power on. It's wait for the last four hundred and then we get going. So. Um, yeah, I think you could go a dollar each way there, but certainly I think bringing it back to a mile would bring three-year-olds more into the equation. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know you get, but the the strength then of a run like a leap to fame out of that race, well, um, you know that's you look at it and go, well, you know, it's edge of the seat stuff. Is he going to hold on? Is he going to hold on? No, he he was sort of grabbed in the last stages there. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how those three-year-olds rebound. The Victoria Derby's just around the corner, so it comes up next month. So uh, the Lost Storm captain, Hammerhead, they'll be both uh, aimed towards that uh, that series down there. So it'll be interesting to see how they rebound out of the Eureka moving forward. The other one, just on moving forward, next year, if you could lock... If you were a slot holder, one Darren Clayton under the, the Dashman banner... What horse are you looking to lock away? I know you mentioned better be the best just moments ago, but what what are we looking at for next year? So, you know, pretty much uh, the bulk of that field aren't eligible for next year, apart from the three-year-olds, the Lost Storm captain, Hammerhead. So what are you looking at for next year? Who's going to be the likely star of the show 12 months out? Yeah, well, um, it's it's one of those ones, isn't it, where... I, I'm a big fan of the of the WA horse, Never Ending. Um, I think he is certainly one. Probably, again, you look at the distance of the race. It's over the 2400. Perhaps can he can he get can he get that distance? So um, faced his first defeat the other night, but he broke at the start. Um, it was still a big run, and that was his. Uh, you know, he won the Pearl Classic over in WA. He's the Australian two-year-old of the year. I think he's certainly one that I would entertain. Um, Major Delight um, is another one. She's an extremely well-bred filly. She's the the Australian two-year-old filly of the year from last year. So um, I'm going down that path, just looking at the at the two-year-olds, considering it was the um, two-year-olds or three-year-olds of the year last year that the Australian three-year-old filly of the year was in Cypher last year. Australian three-year-old Colton Gelding last year was Leap to Fame. So, um, you know, they'd be the first two off the top of my head, other than better better be the best. But, uh, you know, maybe that's that's the slot that Wayne Loder will be lining up because there's all Bathurst connection then. And maybe I could beat him to it if I had my own slot, the, the Dashman slot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and just on that, who, who would you think, Kevin and Kay Seymour, they've got a slot for, for three years. They've had one now with Leap to Fame. He's not eligible next year, nor is Tim's a trooper. At this early stage, what would they be looking at? Well, yeah, that's um, uh, maybe going down the mare's path if she continues to improve, perhaps a cheerleader. Um, you know, they get the good draw, get the get the nice suck run, and finish over the top. Maybe they look to you know um, talk like motion. You know, stick with the Queensland theme, not one of their own runners. But you'd expect them to have one of their own runners. They might have one that jumps out of the ground between now and then. But uh, I, I guess it's hard knowing so far in advance how you know 
maybe that could add some intrigue to the race. You've got to pick your horse 12 months out and prepare it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, that, I, that I, would create some <laughs> headaches, I'm sure. So, uh, just but, quickly, the uh, the Lensmith Mile from Saturday night, rock and roll do all honours with him. He was without cover, uh, too strong, 51 1 edging out Spirit of St Louis. The Queenslander, hot and treacherous, they elected to go back and then he just never really got into the call. But looking forward with hot and treacherous, into the minion, um, he's still going to be a major player, I'm certain of that. I'm not ruling him out uh, after what happened there on Saturday night. Um, they may have erred there with uh, their decision to go back, but I th still think he's going to be a real, real threat in the end of the minion. Well, sectionally, he was the best out of that race, Chris. He hit the line really strongly. He's, um, you know, 26 and change coming home, wide off the track, wide down that long stretch. So, um, yeah, it was probably probably forced on them that they had to go back. I think you end up in no man's land if you go forward. That said, it wasn't an overly quick run mile when you look at the overall time, like 51 and change is... You know, pretty stock standard at Menangle nowadays, so maybe going forward, um, hindsight's a wonderful thing, though. Um, you know, and off the back of he, he was third in the Blacks of Fake earlier this year, so um, certainly building nicely for him. And, and Jack Butler and Connections there got a very nice horse heading into the Inter Dominion, so um, he's certainly a horse I think that's on, on, still on an upward trajectory, so. Um, three races in a week I don't think looks to bother him and in his own backyard as well is a, is a huge plus Would you consider the Victoria Derby or just get him home and have him prime for the Inter? Uh, I'd, I'd probably just bring him home in the fact that um, you know the, the trip Victoria back to Brisbane where you could just um, use that time to just really prime him up he sort of he's while he hasn't had a lot of racing in the last sort of little bit, he's certainly been up and about right through the, um, you know, pretty much right the way through since he arrived. Um, it's probably what he probably trialled, um, probably looking at four or five months ago now. He had his first run because um, he sort of come through the grades. He hadn't stepped up to open company yet, and his first win would have been the flashing red or thereabouts, which probably would have been early June so if you, you factor that right the way through he's probably been up for quite a while so um, yeah if, if he was mine that's what I'd be doing but I'm not paying the bills so mind you if I wouldn't mind paying the bills on a horse like that because um, you've got a bit to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. And for those wondering, nominations are still open for the Inter-Dominion, so owners and trainers nominations will close on Monday, September 25 at noon. So you've still got a few weeks to uh, nominate your horses, whether it be a pacer or a trotter, but all nominations for ID23 at Albion Park will close on Monday, September 25. And Darren, I'm told a major sponsor announcement is imminent, so we'll watch this space. Yeah, well, looking forward to that. Um, it's not too far away now. We're under, what are we, about 85 days out now from the from the first heat. So um, it's worth noting, just with those nominations too, at this stage, uh, it will be 24 trotters and 36 paces. So um, the way that sets up. So um, interesting to see when those nominations close, who's there and... Um, perhaps with Leap to Fame now facing defeat in uh, his last mm. two runs, it might just open, open him up, up to 
Yeah. You know, if he had have won that Blacks are fake, um, you know, with ease and then won the Eureka, it might have scared a few away. But now a few might sort of take notice and go, well, you know, as good as he is, uh, he can be beaten. Mm. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. Hey, Darren, appreciate the chat this morning. Uh, we'll take the tip with race five, number one, Sunrise Ruby. We'll also play Kiang Tara and the Maharani tonight. We'll chat again on Friday morning when we do all the form for Albion Park for Saturday night. Sounds good, Chris, and I'll try and find that money to get myself a Eureka slot. <laughs>